Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Nathan. It's good to see you all this morning. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate our Christmas together. Uh, I do wonder what celebrating Christmas looks like for you, what it means to you. Uh, perhaps in the words of Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Or maybe if you're the mom who gets stuck with the stress of organizing absolutely everything there is to organize, perhaps it's the most dreadful time of the year. Well, personally, as a non-mom myself, I've always loved Christmas. I've always loved all the incredible food that uh, miraculously finds its way onto the table. All the Christmas meats, the desserts, I love gingerbread, I love making gingerbread houses, decorating them with sweets. I love Christmas pudding topped with custard. Who here actually likes Christmas pudding? Let's go. I've discovered something. Perhaps you wouldn't have wanted to put your hand up just then, but I've discovered there's not many people my age that actually like Christmas pudding or fruitcake. Seems like it's more of an older generation type of thing now to enjoy, enjoy that. But I've always loved Christmas. I love spending time with family. I love opening presents. I love giving presents. I love that, uh, that joy that gets plastered across people's face when you, you, know, you nail that perfect gift. I love bonbons. I love Christmas carols. I love Christmas trees, especially when it's not me decorating the tree. But I love a whole lot of things about Christmas. But truth be told, all these things are very much secondary reasons why I love Christmas. The reason I most love Christmas is because I love what Christmas actually celebrates, the birth of Jesus. I love that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus. You know, there's many people who, if you were to ask them of when the Christian faith started, they would answer, well, during the life of Jesus Christ, right? You know, that's where, where the word Christian comes from, after all. You know, Jesus thought of as being the founder of Christianity, that it was his uh, teachings and his life that was the origin of the Christian faith. And yes, it's true that the Christian faith revolves around Jesus, but the origins of the Christian faith takes place so much earlier than the birth of Jesus. You know, if you were to pick up your Bible, and if you were to start reading at page one, you wouldn't actually meet the person of Jesus Christ until 80% of the way into the Bible. There is so much written before Jesus is even born. So the Bible, it's split into two parts. You've got the Old Testament, you've got the New Testament. So the Old Testament takes place before the life of Jesus, and there's thousands of years of history written that builds up to the birth of Jesus. And the New Testament, it begins with the birth of Jesus. And what makes the birth of Jesus so special and so needed, we actually find out about in the Old Testament. This collection of 39 different books written over thousands of years. It's what happens here in the Old Testament that actually brings so much awe and wonder at the birth of Jesus. I mean, did you know that there were prophets who lived hundreds of years before Jesus who prophesied about Jesus. The prophets were people who would, uh, they would hear from God and they would um, speak these messages from God to the people of the day and they would record them in writing. 
And it's in these writings that we can read in the Old Testament that a Messiah or a Savior, a King was prophesied about. And hundreds of years later, we see in Jesus prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled. In fact, check this out. We see in the life of Jesus over 300 prophecies fulfilled. In just a lifetime of one man, over 300 prophecies fulfilled. Things that were written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Prophecies that were recorded from before the birth of Jesus that you can actually see with your own eyes today in Israel. And I want to go through some of these really quickly right now because I want us to begin to see that celebrating the birth of Jesus, it isn't the same as celebrating just any other person's birthday. It's so much more. The birth of Jesus in history, it changes absolutely everything and it affects every single person. So quickly, here's some prophecies uh, written hundreds of years before Jesus. Here's the first one. From the prophet Isaiah, from Isaiah 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So 750 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesies that God will give a sign, and that sign would be a virgin conceiving. Now, for anyone that's made it past a primary school level of education, you would know that's impossible. And yet, if we jump forward to the New Testament in Matthew's account of Jesus, it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So we have Joseph, betrothed to be married to Mary. Because they aren't married yet, when he finds out she's pregnant, he knows it wasn't him. And so he decides he's going to quietly end things with Mary. And as he's considering this, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God miraculously brings about Mary's pregnancy. And so we have a prophecy 750 years earlier, saying that a virgin would conceive a child, a child who was to be named Emmanuel, which translates to God with us. The name Emmanuel means God with us. And here in the Christmas story, we see this fulfilled in Jesus, in God himself taking on human form and being born to the virgin Mary, in God himself stepping out of heaven onto the earth and taking on human flesh. And you can take a prophecy like that and you can consider the story of Mary and think, okay, look, I'm not sure I'm convinced. You know, maybe Mary and Joseph just made it all up. But this is just one of 300 prophecies written about Jesus that we see fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. If the other 300 are true, then why not this one as well, right? Another thing we see fulfilled in Jesus is his lineage. 
in several parts of the Old Testament, we, we see it prophesied that a king would come from the line of the famous King David. King David was the second king in Israel, and it was to him that God promises that from his descendants, his reign would be forever. It would have no end. Again, in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, this is Isaiah prophetically speaking the words of God. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You know, in just these couple of sentences, we see that a, a human child will be born and this human child will be called Mighty God. And we see he will reign on David's throne. On top of this are prophecies that not only say he will reign on David's throne, but he would also be of David's lineage. And when we look at the gospel accounts, once again, we see this fulfilled. We can actually read and trace Jesus' genealogy. And we can see he was, in fact, a descendant of King David. There was another prophet whose prophetic messages we can read in our Bibles too. His name was Micah. And he said this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And once again, this is fulfilled in Jesus. In Luke's gospel account of the Christmas story, it says that although Joseph and Mary were living in Nazareth, because of the Roman census at the time, they had to travel to Bethlehem because that was Joseph's family hometown. And while they were in Bethlehem, because of the census, the time came for Mary to give birth to Jesus. And so once again, we have a prophecy saying that a ruler would come from the small town of Bethlehem, and not just any ruler, a ruler whose origins are from a vault, someone that pre-existed before his birth as a child. So not only does the ruler need to be human, he also needs to be divine. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, is the only one who could possibly fulfill this prophecy. Now, let me just give you one more quickly. The Old Testament not only prophesies where Jesus would be born, to whom he would be born, but also the exact timing. Now, this one blows my mind, right? In the book of Daniel, there's a significant prophecy. The chapter begins with Daniel praying for Israel, acknowledging the nation's sins against God and asking for God's mercy. And as Daniel prayed, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and gave him a vision of Israel's future. And as part of this, this vision, it says this, Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. Now, what you need to understand is when this prophecy, prophecy was made and written down, Jerusalem had been destroyed. The walls demolished, the temple devastated, and the angel says that from the time the word goes out, or in other translations, the decree or the command goes out to rebuild Jerusalem, you can actually start counting down the days until the anointed one comes. So who here likes math? 
I know it's the weekend. I know school's out. But follow along with me here because this is exciting stuff. Later on in history, almost 100 years after this prophecy in Daniel, some people aren't excited by the math. But in 444 BC, to be exact, we have a decree given by King Artaxerxes of Persia, a decree given to allow Nehemiah and the Jews to go and rebuild Jerusalem. So that's 44 BC. From 444 BC, we know that there'll be in total 69 lots of sevens before the anointed one is put to death. So in the Jewish custom, the sevens refer to seven years. So that's 483 years. But in the Jewish calendar, the year only has 360 days, not 365 days. And so to convert 483 Jewish years into our own calendar years, that would become 476 years. So 476 years from 444 BC takes us to when? 33 AD, the exact year that Jesus was put to death on a Roman cross. You know, you can't make this stuff up, right? No other religious faith has anywhere near this kind of historical backing to it, where hundreds of prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus are then all fulfilled in this one man. We've seen the life of Jesus, over 300 prophecies specifically fulfilled. We even see his resurrection from death prophesied hundreds of years before he'd be born in a manger in Bethlehem. There's so much historical backing that so clearly points towards Jesus being the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when people look at these prophecies, you know, some people might say, oh, maybe this guy Jesus just made it his, his mission to fulfill these prophecies as a type of checklist. So maybe one day Jesus was reading through Zechariah's prophecies and notices that Israel's future king would enter Jerusalem on a donkey and present himself as the Messiah. So maybe Jesus decides he'll do exactly that, find a donkey, ride in Jerusalem where he knew crowds would welcome him with praise. And maybe with some of the prophecies written about the Messiah, that was possible. But we've seen this morning there are so many prophecies written about Jesus that he couldn't have actually manipulated to fulfill by his own efforts. He couldn't have devised where he'd be born. He couldn't have chosen his parents. He couldn't have planned where he'd be born, when he would be born. So what does all of this mean? If it's possible that everything said about Jesus is real, if it's possible that everything Jesus said about himself is real, well, then it changes absolutely everything for absolutely everyone. Because we very quickly find out if it's all true, then we all need Jesus. We very quickly find out that the greatest Christmas gift we could ever receive is Jesus himself. Jesus himself said he was one with God, God himself. Jesus himself said he and he alone was the giver of eternal life. So let me break it down for us this morning. Let me try and summarize the the overarching message of the whole Bible for us this morning so we can understand what all of this actually means. You know, the foundation of the Christian message is that God is the one true and living ruler of all things. And God is the ruler of everything because he created everything. He's the maker of everything that exists, including this world that we live in. This is his world. He made it, and naturally he made us 
as well. And we were created to be in this perfect relationship with God. We were given the responsibility of looking after this world, loving each other. And as you open up your Bible and you read those opening few chapters, that's exactly what we see. God and humanity and the world living in this perfect harmony. That's how God designed it to be. But it's fairly obvious when you look out the window and you survey the world and society that this is not our experience of the world right now. You look out at the world and you see so much brokenness. We see people living in poverty. We see wars breaking out. We see relationships breaking down. And we all see this brokenness, right? So what happened? As the Bible puts it, the reason all of this happened is because of our sin. From the very beginning, we didn't actually want God to be our ruler. We rejected Him by deciding to live our life our own way. And it's like we kind of just turn our back on God. And when we decide to live our own way and not the way God designed it to be, we're actually rejecting His good design. When we ignore God and try, and we don't give Him the honor and adoration that He deserves, we're rejecting Him. And we all do this in our lives. Every single day. And that's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is when we ignore God's way of living and we do things our own way for our own self-interest. When we say things we shouldn't say, when we think things we shouldn't think, when we look at things we shouldn't look at, when we listen to things we shouldn't listen to, whenever we do something we shouldn't do, we sin and we reject God. And the problem is, it doesn't work. Living our way doesn't work. Now we've all rebelled against God and His good design. Like any good and just ruler, God actually cares enough to take our rebellion seriously. He holds us accountable for our actions because it matters to Him that we fail to properly love Him and care for others. In other words, God actually won't let our sinful rebellion go on forever, right? We'll all one day stand before a holy and perfect God and we'll give Him an account of our lives for our personal rejection of Him as our ruler. And the sentence God will pass on that day will actually be to give us what we ask for, to have the separation from Him. He'll cut us off from Himself permanently and since God is the source of all life and all good things, being cut off from Him means being in a destruction that never ends. Which is hard to hear, right? It means we're all in trouble. But this is why the Christmas story has so much meaning. This is why we celebrate Christmas. You see, God loves the world He created. He does, and He loves us. And He actually didn't leave us to suffer the consequences of our rebellion. So God, He... He sent His own divine Son, Jesus, into the world to save us. Born in Bethlehem, in a humble manger. And unlike us, Jesus didn't rebel against God. He always lived God's way. The only person to have ever lived a perfect life who didn't deserve God's judgment. The only one who didn't deserve to die. And yet Jesus did die. Although he had the power of God to heal the sick, perform miracles and raise the dead, Jesus allowed himself to be executed on a Roman cross. 
Why? The good news of the Bible is that Jesus died as a substitute for sinners like me. He took upon himself the judgment and punishment that we deserved by dying on a cross in our place. We rejected God, but because of his great love, God sent his son to die for us. Take the penalty of our sin upon himself. The Bible shows us that we were stuck in our sin before a holy and powerful God. But God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son so that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And that's why I love Christmas. Because we get to celebrate and remember that God didn't leave us stuck in our sin, but he offered us the opportunity to find salvation in Jesus. And the message of the Bible, it essentially leaves us with a choice. We can either continue living our lives without God in the picture, and the result is that we'll eternally be separated from Him. Or we can put our trust and faith in God, ask for forgiveness. Because of Jesus' death in our place, He now offers to forgive all our sins, to wipe them away. They've already been paid for on the cross, and now we can make a fresh start with God. We can experience the joy of a restored relationship with God. You know, when I first truly understood the depth of the love that Jesus showed to me when He died on that cross for my sin, my heartfelt response was that I wanted to give up my life for Him as well. I wanted to give the rest of my life to Him, to put my faith and my trust in Him. And that's what being a Christian is. It's when we thank Him from the bottom of our heart and we give our life to Him. You know, as you read the Bible, you see Jesus go by many different names. He's called Christ, Lord, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Light of the World, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the Word, and the list just goes on and on. But as we celebrate Christmas, the name we hear a lot more of is the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's the Christmas story. God with us. God who desired to restore the relationship between Him and humanity. And that's what God wants with you here today. He wants to be with you, to have a close friendship with you. That's God's desire. I love the way King David puts it in a psalm where he says this. He says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And he's right, isn't he? And who are we that God in all his splendor and glory and majesty would care for us sinful people? Who are we that the one who set the stars in the sky, who spoke the oceans into existence, who breathed life into dust, who holds the entire universe in his hands would also be the one to step out of heaven and come to earth to be with us. It's the kind of love that's incomprehensible to us. But that's who God is. A God whose desire is that all would put their trust and faith in Jesus. And the reason we put on events like this today is because we want to invite people to know Jesus just the way we know Jesus. 
maybe you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, but your curiosity has been piqued. Maybe you want to investigate more about Jesus yourself. After the service today, at the doors, there's going to be some people and they've got uh, these little packs. They've got three things in them. First one, if you want to find out more about Jesus and you actually want to talk to uh, someone here at this church about it, uh, there's a QR code there. You can get in contact with someone at this church and they'll get back to you uh, very eagerly to talk about Jesus. We've also got two more uh, items there. The first one is a Why Christmas. goes into a little bit more detail than what uh, we've done this morning about why Christmas is so incredible. talks about Jesus. So if you want to understand more, that'll be awesome. We've also got the Gospel of John. This is an account written about Jesus, the life he led. It's one of the books of the Bible. So if you're in this room today and you want to actually find out more about this Jesus, can I encourage you, when you're heading out the doors today, there's going to be people at both doors and they've got these uh, packs ready to go, ready to hand out. Please, please, please grab one of those. Have a conversation with people here today. We would love to talk about our faith with you. But can I urge you to investigate Jesus yourself? And we would love to help you on that journey. That's pretty much all we've got for this morning. In just a moment, we're going to uh, sing another song. Um, we're going to sing another song so the band can come back up. Uh, I'm going to pray, pray for us this morning. We'll sing a song and then I think Charles will come up as well. The band wants to get ready. Lord God, Lord God, we just come in awe and wonder at the birth of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that you didn't leave us where we were. Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect life and to die for us. Lord, I thank you that now we can have a new life in Jesus, one that will never end. So Lord, as we go about the rest of this Christmas season, Lord, will we just consider you? We want to remember you. We want to celebrate you. Lord, I thank you for the joy that you give us. Lord, I thank you for the peace you give us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We love you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen.